Well, good morning. I know what song is going to be stuck in your head today. Yeah, 1976, Stevie Wonder released the hit song, Isn't She Lovely? And it was a celebration of the birth of his daughter. And I love the end of verse two that says, boy, I'm so happy we've been heaven blessed. I can't believe what God has done through us. He's given life to one. Isn't she lovely? Made from love. Boy, that song captures so well how I felt when I became a dad. In March of 2011, my wife Hillary and I welcomed our, our first child, a daughter, Sephora Grace, into the world. She was born here in Morgantown, and, and eventually they told us we couldn't stay at the hospital anymore. We had to leave. No instruction manual. And uh, we brought her home to a little two-bedroom townhouse, actually just up the street from the church. A lot of memories from those first few days, but one of them that stands out is we had a pretty special visitor. Uh, it was actually Pastor Tim, and he came over to just kind of see how we were doing, I think maybe the second day we were home. And I remember him holding Sephora in his arms. She was a tiny little thing, six pounds, nine ounces, 18 inches, and he was just gushing. I mean, he was gushing, and he was smiling, and he said she was smiling, though I don't remember it quite that way, and, and he said, I think she likes me. I said, I, I think so too. He said, no, I think it's because we have the same haircut. <laughs> not, not, a, not, not a lot up there. Eventually, she did grow enough hair to get those tiny little bows, just enough to kind of clip on there. But it is hard to believe, and they tell you this, and it's true, she's going to be 11 in two weeks. Man, it goes fast, but she's growing up so, so good. After Sephora, God blessed our family with our first son, Levi, and then uh, two years later, he gave us our son, Pierce, and three years after that, he blessed us with Micah, and uh, I, I know I'm a very, very blessed man. And um, I only have one family picture to share, so I promise you're not going to have to look at, a, look at a bunch today. But we took this family photo in the fall down at Cheat Lake Park. And um, isn't it just so much fun to put on dress clothes on like a Tuesday and go to a random place and pretend to be happy for like an hour and a half? I mean, <laughs> it is just so fun. The bribes and the threats and the pictures that didn't make the file that you get after, you know? But we're grateful for the memories. Not long after that picture was taken, um, we actually uh, welcomed uh, two more boys into our home who we have the privilege to care for as, as foster parents. And, um, you know, I wish I could share a picture with all of us, but if you're a foster parent or kind of know how that works and you can't share personal information or pictures for privacy uh, and security purposes, but uh, man, they've got the best, the best smiles. So I guess you'd say at this point, um, as a family of eight, we're sort of a modern day Brady Bunch. Some of you who are younger than me need to look that up, but six kids, a dog, unfortunately no live-in housekeeper, though we are looking, all right? Um, now, that would, be, that would be wonderful. So, you know, kids really do 
grow up fast. And I remember so many people telling us that when we were getting started, it goes fast. So about five years ago, I got crafty, all right, for Christmas and actually made this growth chart as a, as a Christmas present to my wife, Hillary. And before you think that I'm like six foot seven, I'm not. Uh, it hangs about seven inches off of the floor. So I'm like six one, six two. But I love seeing this growth chart. We typically mark them on their birthday and then at the six month mark and there's just markings all the way down. They're, they're growing about four inches a year right now, which is just crazy. But then along the side of the growth chart here is our favorite verse about children. That children are a gift from the Lord. And where I sit at our dinner table, I, I see this growth chart in plain sight. And I love the reminder that children do grow up fast. And I also love seeing this verse multiple times a day at breakfast, at dinner, and the coming and going, because I, I believe it's true. I believe that children, all children, of all backgrounds, circumstances, family dynamics are a gift from the Lord. And for me, um, I would say most days, I really do enjoy it. Um, I, I love being a dad. I remember kind of getting into my teen years and I have great parents, I still have them, and just thinking, boy, it would be really cool to be a dad one day and I really do enjoy it and I think most of the time I'm able to enjoy them as gifts from God, but, but there's also some really long days. Uh, there's some days as, as hard as I try and as focused as I feel, there's still days where I feel like I fall short. There's still days where I feel guilty. There's still days where I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. And whether you have a baby, young children, young adults, or your baby has a baby of their own, I, I bet that you can relate to the days that you wish would never end with your family. It's just the days that boy, this day could go on forever and that'd be okay. And then there's the days that can't end quick enough. You're counting down the minutes to bedtime. You know, I know I have weeks that I'm present and engaged and involved and just happy to be home. Then there's days where I work too much, I'm distracted too much, or I'm on my phone too much and as luck would have it, I got a notification today that my screen time was up this week. So there's that. There's also seasons that your kids are happy and they're healthy and they're thriving and it makes you so encouraged as a parent. And then there's times where your kids just hurt. Maybe they're sick. Maybe they're struggling academically. Maybe socially there's challenges, whatever the case may be. Maybe they're not obeying well or they're pulling away and, and it's just so hard. And then I would say just sort of big picture parenting. There's times where I feel strong. There's times where I feel equipped and there's times where again, I just, I feel like I know what I'm doing. And then there's, there's times where I just feel lost and I don't feel like I have the energy to wake up and do it all over again. So let me let you in on a little secret that you already know. Parenting a child of any age, it's a lot of fun. It is. Kids are great. It's a blessing. But it's also a lot of work. And there are times for me, and I'm sure you as well, it feels like a burden. 
So today, as we continue this series that we're calling Significant Others, we're talking today about children. Uh, I, I believe this message is going to be relevant for all of us, whether you're younger and you know, you're looking ahead to your life and hopefully one day you'll have a family, or again, if you have babies, toddlers, somewhere in between, and even if you don't have children, you have nieces, nephews, grandchildren, or maybe the neighbor kids feel more like family. I believe that there is something here for all of us. And my hope and prayer is just twofold. One, that we would see all children the way that the Bible describes them. And that is they are a gift. They're not a burden. They are a blessing. And the second big takeaway today is that I hope we would be encouraged to love every child well, whether they're young or old, And we want to do that in three specific ways. We want to enjoy them by spending time. We want to take great care of them. And we want to teach them God's ways. And before we jump into the scriptures, I just want to recognize and acknowledge that my view is limited here. You know, I'm a a young parent with young children who still are home, who I get to see every day with my wife. And, And all of us have very different circumstances. Maybe you have shift work and... Maybe you have required travel, and maybe there's different custody arrangements and agreements that impact your abilities to be with your children and maybe as much as you'd want to be. But I believe, regardless of your situation, family dynamics, or circumstances, that you can take the truths that we're going to look at today and that you can apply them, and you'll be better for it. And the children who God has placed into your life will be better for it. So let's jump in. We believe that children are a gift from the Lord, and the first way that we can love them well is to enjoy them by spending time with them. I mean, that sounds so simple, right? But just to enjoy them. If someone gives you a gift, what do you do with it? Do you put it on the shelf? (laughs) You enjoy it. You spend time with them. Again, Psalm 127.3, it's my favorite verse about children. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Psalm 127 is a short five-verse psalm attributed to Solomon and really describes the blessing from God as it relates to the protection of our home, the provision of food and rest, and the miraculous gift of children. And all of the blessings described in this psalm are from God, not from our own efforts because we deserve it. And I like how other Bible versions accurately translate that word gift. It all comes from the same root word. And and other translations will describe children are a gift as children are a heritage or children are an inheritance. And all of these words describe something of tremendous value, priceless, if you will, that is being handed down and entrusted to another person. Whether that be a million dollars, whether that be an estate, an inheritance, a heritage, a gift is being passed down, and I would say children are worth far more than a million dollars. They're worth far more than any estate. They are a gift from God. I love how David in the Psalms describes children, the miraculous gift of life and the preciousness of it that we believe begins at the moment of conception. 
It says this, for it was you, God. It was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. He acknowledges that it is God's work. He is the one putting this child together. And he breaks out in praise. He says, I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. It is amazing to me that every single person, past, present, and future, is a -a one-of-a-kind creation. We are all unique. Fingerprints, toe prints, I assume, haven't checked. DNA, we are one-of-a-kind creations and ought to be valued as such, but the reality is that's not always the case. This is true today, and it was true in biblical times as well. Or in the times of Jesus, children were not thought of to be as equally valuable to adults, and that's heartbreaking. So there's this passage that we're gonna look at and I love it because it describes a Jesus who loves children. You know, we teach children to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Boy, that's, that sounded pretty good. You gotta give me a little, you know. I don't know if Adam was listening, but I can see myself up here just saying. Um, You know, we teach children, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. We sing these simple, beautiful songs because they're true. Jesus really does love children. They have a special place in his heart. So in Matthew 19, Jesus was teaching the crowds and there was a very intense moment between him and his disciples. It says this, then children were brought to him so that he might put his hands on them and pray. So he's teaching this crowd, picture the scene, there's people everywhere and there's there's people with their, their, their infants, maybe a newborn or a toddler or a teen that maybe they're dragging along and saying, we're going to Jesus. You're gonna be prayed over, you're gonna be blessed. What does it say the disciples did? It says they rebuked them. Get away. He's too busy. He doesn't have time for that. He's busy teaching the the big people, the important people. But then Jesus said, and I imagine this was with force, leave the children alone and don't try to keep them from coming to me because the kingdom of heaven is made up of people like this. And putting his hands on them, he went on from there. And you know that Jesus didn't leave until he blessed every last one of them. The disciples were acting like security guards at a conference, or at a concert. Stay back, VIPs only. Don't come near the stage. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. They're the most important. You let them come through. You bring them to me and to be those children, because we really believe this historically happened in this moment. Think about the kids, whether it's the toddler, the teenager, who actually got to hear Jesus say, 
I love you. You are so special. I made you just right. Whew. I mean, to be that child with the hand of our Lord on their head, blessing them and praying over them, how that must have impacted those children for the rest of their life. Jesus loves children. And I encourage us to follow Jesus' example in this way, to enjoy children in our life as much as we can because that's what Jesus did. And if we want to grow and to become more and more like Jesus, then that means growing in our love and enjoyment of children. And now, again, as I mentioned, this can be challenging, and, and some of you are probably feeling so guilty, and that's not my intention, because I know there's shift work and re required travel and, and custody agreements, and there's a lot of circumstances that can, can make it difficult for you to enjoy the children. Maybe your grandchildren live on the other side of the country and you're like, oh, I wish I could, but I can't. The point is, just spend as much time as you can. And I know, because I'm preaching to myself today, I get busy and I get distracted and there's days where I'm home, but I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Or is that just me? You're home, but you're not. Because life and work, it invades our home. We can't put it down and I'm distracted. And there's times where I'm like, it's eight o'clock. Where have I been? What happened? And the lie that I think I tell myself and maybe you do too, is that, well, the weekend's coming. So I can burn through these days. I can skip dinner. I can skip bath time. I can just kind of go on, on cruise control. And I tell myself, well, the weekend's coming, Saturday's almost here, or we're so close to a vacation, it's like already planned, it's two months away, so we justify our absence and our distractedness. And I think there's two really big problems with this. For me, I think about everything that I've missed. You know, if I'm on cruise control and I'm not there, I'm there, but I'm not there, how many hugs, how many kisses, how many piggyback rides, how many books, how many sheets runs, we're way too close to a sheets. They gotta drive through, it's way too easy. But how many sheets runs, how many hikes, how many dance parties, nerf battles, movie nights, game nights, being there to listen and love, how many moments have we missed that we don't get back? And I know people talk about quality time, and I, I do too. We want quality time. We want these moments that are rich and meaningful and connected and all of that, but I don't think you can just wish for it and it happens. I think quality time comes from a quantity of time. You've gotta have a quantity of time if you want the quality time. I think that's how it works. And I think there's a second problem with this living for the weekend or blowing through these days to get to vacation. It's actually really prideful. And scripture specifically calls that out. In James, we read this, come now you who say, and this would be like with a confident tone, today or tomorrow we'll travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do this tomorrow and this next week and this the week after, and what does it say? You don't even know what tomorrow will bring. Your life, what your life will be. Listen to how we're described. You 
For you are like a smoke that appears for a little while, then poof, vanishes. These are sobering verses, but they are true. I don't know the number of days that I have. The reality is today could be my last day. I don't know the number of the days that my children have planned. God does, I don't. We don't know, and there is something really true about living as if it is your last day. I think that's a biblical way to view life. We do not know what tomorrow will bring. All I know is yesterday's gone, so if that didn't go well and you feel guilty for how it went at home, it's gone. Let it go. Tomorrow's not here, it's not promised. All we know for sure is we have today. This is the day, this one, February 27th, 2022. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it and we wanna make the most of it. So I know for me, I think about this a lot. I only have 24 hours in a day. I keep trying to get more, but it doesn't work. And I gotta sleep. So that's seven or six or five, somewhere in there. And work, you know, and then there's housework and there's meals. So you're left with a few hours, really, most people. How do you use that? How are you using that to share meals? How am I using that to, to play a game? How am I using that to put down my phone and say, I'm here? How are we using the time that we have? And, and I'll share just one little tip because I'm sort of working in some practical thoughts along the way. I remember when we had kids and I watched my parents with them. And grandparents, you already know what I'm about to say. Grandparents really love their kids. I'm not always sure parents do, but grandparents do. I think it's because they don't have to deal with all the junk. They just get the fun stuff, right? Here's sugar, here's toys. Now go home, right? But I remember watching my parents and Hillary's parents, and thankfully we have all four of them still with us, and, and they just really enjoyed them. It's like they didn't sweat the small stuff, as they say. They had perspective. They know that diapers don't last forever. They know eventually teenagers change their attitudes. And I remember talking to Hillary and I was like, what if we could be grandparent parents? And we've used that for the last 11 years. Where we know we're parents. We gotta do all the parent stuff. But can we take all of the qualities of grandparents, not sweating the small stuff, enjoying kids, letting it go, loving them, really, really enjoying them. And that has helped us tremendously. Now to be present like this and give this kind of time to your kids, you know that it requires saying no to some things so that you can say yes to the most important things. Sometimes it means saying no to an opportunity or another evening out or something that would take so that you can give. And I don't always get this right, but a few years ago, one of my friends did. I'll never forget it. He called me and he said, Josh, I've got a opportunity for promotion at work. This was before Zoom and COVID and things can be done differently. And he said, here's the thing. I'm not gonna move my family, but this promotion would be 90 minutes away. And he said, that means I would have to be gone before the boys are up and I would be home when they're in bed. What do I do? There's more money, more benefits, more vacation time. And he, he prayed about it. He talked to his wife, he talked to me. And do you wanna know the decision he made. What do you think? 
He turned it down. And I was so proud of him. And I hoped I'd do the same thing. And he did not regret it. He said no to something that was really lucrative and would have had some benefit so that he can say yes to his kids and be there each day. So I would just encourage you on this whole topic, really evaluate your schedule, really evaluate your commitments, really take a hard look. This is the only day you know you have, so how are you using it? How we spend our days is how we spend our weeks, months, years, and life, so focus on each day. Maybe that's reclaiming the family dinner, Maybe that's just setting a timer for 30 minutes and all tech goes away. I don't know what that looks like for you, but how can you reclaim that daily time? How can you increase daily family time and decrease tech time, technology time, right? And if your children are not in the home or they're distant, what can you do? You can call, FaceTime, text. You can do things to stay connected. Enjoy children by spending as much time as you can. Second, And the next two are going to move quicker. Care for them and meet their needs. Just take great care of them. And this is typically an area that parents really excel. I think it's these instinctive things we know we need to take care of them. So we change diapers and we pack lunch boxes and we find shoes and we drive them and pick them up and drive them and pick them up. And sometimes we forget to pick them up. So we go back to pick them up and we pay their bills and we get them a car. And there's a lot of needs, a lot of emotional and physical and financial things that we do. I'm broke most of the time because of these kids. All right. But it's an honor and it's a privilege to meet their needs. I remember my mom, she had nine of us. And I mentioned that often she had a literal laundry room, like They made a decision, like, you guys are going to bunk up in that room because we need a laundry room, a whole room. And there was a sign that said, is there life after laundry? So true, so true. And as we meet the children's needs, I want to remind us that sometimes it means we don't go after the wants. There's a big difference. To care for them and meet their needs doesn't mean the wants. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content with these things. If you think for a moment, what does a child really need? They need a family to love them unconditionally. A safe, warm home, food and clothes, proper medical care, education. Sometimes it is a challenge to provide these things. And if you ever need help, reach out. We will help you. But most of the time, we do provide these things. And if you are, you're doing a great job. And I just want to remind you to be content with those things. You may not have a big house. You may not have a new car. That's okay. Those are wants that the world wants us to want. If you have a roof over your head, food on the table, clothes on your back, and at least a flip phone, all right, I'll give you that. If you have the basics, your needs are met. Be content. Because here's what I've seen. We didn't grow up with a lot. Our needs were met, but we didn't didn't have a lot of extras. I think the tendency when that happens, if that was you, you want to give a better life. So you want to give the house or the car the things that you didn't have. But the danger in that is it often costs us time. So you spend time to get the the wants, but then you don't have time to be home or be time with the people that you're providing for. It's this vicious consumeristic cycle 
to break free from. Hand-me-downs are okay. Can I just go on record to say, hand-me-downs are okay. I wore most of my brother's Matthew, my brother Matthew's clothes, holes and all. Hand-me-downs are okay. If you are providing for the needs, the basic needs of children, you're doing a great job. An occasional want is great, but you don't need it. And I would just make one other point about providing care because care is certainly in the providing, but I think it is also in the realm of protecting. Children are vulnerable. Children are susceptible to harm. We live in a broken world full of sin and there are evil people and it comes in all forms. Let's read what Jesus said. I'm gonna skip down to Matthew 18, verse five. It says this, whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. Similar scene to Matthew 19. Jesus brought the children close. Whoever welcomes one welcomes me. But listen to this. I wish everyone on planet Earth would hear this verse. Whoever causes the downfall of one of these little ones who believe in me, whoever hurts a child, whoever abuses a child, whoever neglects a child, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus does not mince words. Children are valuable. They are priceless and precious. Don't mess with kids. Don't do it. Even if you right now are hearing this message and you're thinking about hurting a child emotionally, mentally, verbally, sexually, stop. Don't do it. If you are actively hurting a child in some way, please stop. Jesus has very harsh words. You will be judged. And those of us who are not doing those things, which I'm assuming is most of us, be on guard, please. Be vigilant. Be watchful. There are people who want to hurt kids. And I think that is everything from proper use of a car seat, making sure it's in there correctly, to screening friends and people who have access to monitoring technology. The digital realm is increasingly becoming an area that we need to protect children. We live in a broken world and we need to protect kids. Did I get a little fiery right there? I felt like I did. But honestly, there are so many threats. We've gotta watch, we've gotta protect. All right, third point. We wanna teach them God's ways. We wanna teach them God's ways. One of my favorite verses, uh, from favorite passages about teaching children, Deuteronomy chapter six. It says, listen Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them, catch this, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Bind them on the sign of, sign of your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on the gates. You'll notice Jesus echoes this great commandment in the great commandment, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. 
This is the greatest thing that we can teach our children. Education's important, manners are important, life skills are important, knowing how to cook a meal besides ramen noodles is important. But this is the most important thing, it's love, is it not? If you are teaching your children to love, to love God, to love their family, to love their neighbors and their classmates and themselves, you're doing a great thing. That's the most important thing. And I think this passage is very instructive as well. I love how it says when you're at home, right? We talked about that, be home. And when you lie them down and when they get back up, passing on our faith is not a one hour thing. It's a 24 seven thing. And it's our responsibility as parents. The church can help and the church loves to help. And I think we do help, but it's up to you. If you want your children to know God, to love God, to follow God, it's up to you and we can help you, but you've got to take that responsibility. Ephesians chapter six says this, children obey your parents as you would the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and you may have a long life in the land. Fathers don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Love this passage, quick side note, children, whether you're a toddler or a teen, obey your parents. Parents, can I get an amen? Come on. Obey your parents. They know better. Honor your parents. And then it says, fathers, don't stir up anger. And specifically, I think it calls out fathers because, man, I know I'm guilty of provoking and irritating and pushing buttons. It's like, just relax. Don't, don't needlessly stir them up. Don't irritate and agitate them. Focus on teaching them God's ways, not making them upset. I've talked to a lot of dads over the years, and it seems to me that the two biggest regrets is they spent too much time at work and not enough time at home, and they were too harsh in their discipline. Relax. Relax and teach them God's ways. And let's remember that not only is our faith taught, but it is caught. And I think it's even perhaps caught more than it is taught. And I'm so thankful for my parents who I saw this every day. They didn't just talk about loving God, they read their Bibles and I saw them do it. They didn't just talk about caring for the poor, I saw my parents deliver meals and be there for people. Your children are watching, your grandchildren are watching, they wanna know, is this real? Is this something that just happens on Sunday or does this actually impact our lives? And sometimes it means owning things. It's one thing to teach my children about forgiveness. It's another thing to go and ask for it. I remember when we went from one to two, probably the hardest time I can remember, even with six now. One to two was a tough transition for us. And I just remember feeling angry a lot and exhausted a lot. And there was one night where Sephora and Levi were running round and round and round in our living room and I just yelled, stop! And there was a baby gate and I wanted to go upstairs and when I went upstairs, I grabbed that baby gate and I swung it as hard as I could to shut it. And as I was walking up the stairs, all I heard my daughter, heard her crying. Didn't put a hand on her. Wasn't verbally abusive, but I lost my cool. So that night I remember clear as day in the bathtub and I got down, I looked her right in the eye and I just said, Daddy is so sorry, will you forgive me? And she said, Daddy, I forgive you, it's okay. 
And that breaks my heart to this day. And there's been other moments since, because I'm not perfect. I'm a sinful man, just like anyone else. But when we teach our children, and when we live it out, and when we practice generosity and forgiveness and owning it, our children catch that. And it sticks with them for a lifetime. So, what do we do with this? Uh, let me just wrap quickly with three questions and maybe write these down. I think these would be three questions that you could pray through or think through or even have a conversation with your spouse or children about. The first question is simply this. Enjoy, care, and teach. Where would you like to grow? If you would agree with me that these three words sort of capture the essence of what this is all about, where do you want to grow? Do you want to enjoy your children more? Do you need to take better care of them through provision or protection? Do you need to be more intentional to teach them with your life and with God's word? Second, I just want to ask, how will you help vulnerable children? This is something we've been talking a lot about here at the Ridge. A lot of kids don't have parents to, to enjoy them. A lot, of par- a lot of kids don't have parents to care for them and to teach them. What will you do for vulnerable children? They're all around us. What, not, not if you'll do it, but what will you do? If you participate in this food drive that we're doing right now, that's helping vulnerable children who are hungry. If you jump into this foster thing we're working on, as a volunteer or to foster, you're helping vulnerable children. If there's a family struggling in your neighborhood and you know it, and you offer to babysit, you offer to tutor, mentor, keep an eye on, you're helping vulnerable children. What will you do? And then finally, who is helping you? This isn't easy. We've already established the fact that this is hard work. It's joyful work, it's a blessing, but it's hard. Who is helping you? My best years as a parent so far, and I know I'm young, have been when there's been people around me cheering me on, encouraging me. And my worst years is when I was isolated and alone and not asking for help. So you can build those relationships through the church, through your neighborhood, through other circles, but get people around you who can help you. Absolutely, you've got God, you've got his word, you've got his spirit, the fruit of the spirit, and you've got people if you'll let them in. So let me conclude with this summary statement. Children are not a burden. I know sometimes it can feel that way. But children are not a burden. They are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. We love children well when we take time to enjoy them. We just spend time. We're there. And we take great care of them. And when we teach them with God's word and with our life. Let me pray for us. God, we do want to give you thanks and praise for all of the children in our lives. We believe what your word says, that they are a gift. Thank you for the gifts that you've given me. Thank you for Sephora and Levi and Pierce and Micah and our boys. God, I confess the times I fall short over and over again. I ask for your grace and patience and strength. And God, would you help all of us enjoy and care for and teach the children that you have entrusted to us. They are precious. They are valuable. They are from you for us. And we give you thanks for them. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.